Good morning. I'm so glad that you chose to worship with us at Pole Creek today on live stream. I hope you've had a great week and I hope you're staying healthy and safe. Today I'm excited about our sermon as we round up our series, Who Are We? And today we're going to talk about our new vision statement. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment to welcome you. You know, through this pandemic and people um, not coming to church due to health concerns and safety precautions, we've tried to find creative ways to still connect with our people and reach out to those who need to be ministered to. So maybe today is your first time interacting with Pole Creek um, through a worship service or in any way, really. And doing that, we want to make sure that we can reach out to you, that we can send you a gift, and just let you know that we appreciate you participating in worship with us. So today, um, if this is your first time, we ask that you simply text the word NEW to the phone number 828-373-1940. Just the word NEW to that phone number, and you'll be sent a link. You can share some information with us, and we would love to send you a gift to reach out to you and just to minister to you in any way that we can. We also love to pray for our people and those in our community who have prayer requests. So we ask you that if you would like to share a prayer request with us, that you text the word PRAY to that same phone number, 828-373-1940. You'll be sent a link. You can put your prayer request in when you click that link. And then we'll be sure to pray for you and reach out to you and to minister to you in any way that we can. Again, Pole Creek is a church that exists in the Candler community so that we can minister to our community. We also exist to reach the globe for the gospel of Jesus. So if we can minister to you in any way, please, please let us know. So the title of the sermon today is Our Vision. And I want to talk through Pole Creek's new vision statement. And what a vision statement is, is it is where we want to get to. Basically, it's setting a goal in the future, and it's saying that we want to get to this place at some point. And really what a vision does is it helps us pursue it helps us to get better at ministry, and it helps us to focus in a way where we can reach the most people possible for the Lord Jesus Christ. So in thinking through a vision, we want to be able to filter what we do in the here and now in ways that will help us get to where we want to go. In the previous weeks, we've talked about our purpose statement, basically why we exist. We've talked about our mission statement, how we're going to get to where we want to be. And the mission statement also talks about how we can achieve our purpose for why we're here located in Candler, North Carolina. We also talked about our six core values, the, the fundamental values that are going to guide us into the future and help us stay on track. And then I saw it fitting to finish up with our new vision statement. So today, I just want to mention our, the vision statement first, and then we're going to read some scripture that directly applies to this. So Pole Creek's new vision statement is this, to be a church that propels our community and world into an encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you may say, well, Ben, we already do that. We're already supporting missionaries all over the world. We're already reaching our community. We're already doing these things. We are, but we can do better. We can reach more people. And sometimes in the course of life, as opportunities arise, churches tend to get off track. Churches tend to do things that seem to be good things, that seem to be um, things that are accomplishing the mission of God, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they may look good, but they may not be effective in actually leading people to the Lord Jesus or discipling Christians in their faith. 
so we want to be a church that is very efficient in doing those things. We want to be careful how we devote our resources, how we devote our staff, how we um, engage our people, how we direct our people, and the kind of opportunities that we provide you as a member and as an attender at Pole Creek Baptist Church. So we want to become that church to the fullness of what God has created us to be. And our vision statement is going to help us continually focus on that objective to be a church that propels our community and world into an encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just put it this way. We want to become a church that when we do anything, everything that we do is ultimately for the objective to either disciple someone to be a better soul winner or to win souls ourselves. That's what we want to be as a church. So today I thought a fitting scripture for our vision statement is 1 Chronicles chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. Now, where this passage is found is it's actually found in the midst of a lineage. Basically, the ancestry of David is mentioned in the previous chapter. And then you get into chapter 4, and you begin to see the ancestry of Judah, one of the sons of Jacob. So as we look through that, we understand that the tribe of Judah is the tribe that Jesus came from. He is known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We know that even in the Old Testament that there were prophecies made that there would be a scepter in Judah. In other words, a king would arise from the tribe of Judah. We know that King David indeed arose from the tribe of Judah. But we also know that the son of David, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate king, also came from that same tribe. So there's a lot of connections here as we move through this. Basically, 1 Chronicles is an introduction to the kingly uh, monarchy of Israel. Um, basically, once you get through some of these lineages and genealogies in the first part of 1 Chronicles, you're going to run into the life of Saul, the life of David, and then eventually into 2 Chronicles, you're going to get into the life of Solomon. So they take you through, chronologically, through these three monarchs. But in the midst of all these genealogies here at the beginning of 1 Chronicles, you find the mention of a man named Jabez. A man named Jabez. So let's read along and let's see what the Bible has to say about Jabez, beginning in verse 9 of chapter 4 in 1 Chronicles. Jabez was more honored than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez and said, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez called out to the God of Israel, If only you would bless me, extend my border, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will not experience pain. And the Bible says God granted his request. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll dive into the sermon. God, we are so, so thankful for your word. Lord, we're thankful that you saw fit to mention a man named Jabez in your word. A man who called out to you. A man who asked you to bless him, to expand his borders, to keep him from harm. A man who had faith and knew that prayer worked. And God, today, as we think about our vision and what we want to become as a church, I pray, God, that this prayer of Jabez would touch our hearts, that it would ignite, God, a movement in our church where people would have passion for lost souls, where we would have a burden for the lost of this world and the hopelessness of this world. Lord, we know as believers in Lord Jesus Christ that you are our only hope, that politicians are not going to fix the problems we have, that philosophy is not going to fix the problems, but we know that it is simply the gospel that changes hearts and gives hope. So today, Lord, as we think about our vision at Pole Creek and our future and what we want to become and what we want to do better, God, we pray that at the forefront of that would be the sharing and the shining of the light of your gospel. 
So today, God, bless us and give us strength. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So who is Jabez? Well, he is a very obscure character in Scripture. As a matter of fact, this is the only place that mentions the man Jabez. And it seems interesting that when he's mentioned, it mentions him praying. So, of course, throughout history, most theologians have always thought of Jabez as a man of prayer. I mean, if somebody was going to remember one event of your life, wouldn't it be awesome if they remembered you praying? If they remembered your faith in Jesus and your willingness to call out to God in your time of need? Well, this was Jabez, and this is his legacy here in the Scriptures. So let's just talk about a little bit about what we know about Jabez, and then we're going to jump into the prayer. So we know that he's from the tribe of Judah. We find that in verse 9. It talks about Jabez was more honored than his brothers. Um, here we see that in this particular chapter that Judah's descendants are being mentioned. So here we see that Jabez was more honored than his brothers. He was of the tribe of Judah. We know that his name means pain. In the Hebrew, Jabez and pain have the same letters. So you may think, well, you know, it's not a big deal to be named Payne. You know, I think about somebody like Mike and Patty Payne, right? Great, great members here at Pole Creek. We don't see Mike embarrassed because his last name is Payne. Well, a commentary that I read was this, and it was very interesting, that it wasn't so much pain that it was associated with, but actually the name Jabez was associated with misery. So I do believe that if you were known as misery, and everywhere you walked and everyone you talked to called you misery, and that was just who you were known as, I do believe that that would be quite discouraging as a human being to be called misery. So it was difficult for Jabez, I believe, and it's reflected in his prayer that his name, the choice of the name that his mom gave him, was very difficult for him to accept because names actually meant a great deal in the Hebrew culture. Um, the, Hebrews, the Hebrews and the name of Jabez would have been quite unbearable out in public. And that's what I alluded to before. The name Jabez was reflective of his mother's sorrow. So it talks about how she gave birth to him in pain. We know if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, as God is cursing mankind, he gets to the woman and he says that you will have great labor pains in childbirth. Well, we know that childbirth is painful for women. We understand that fully. But maybe in this particular instance, Jabez's mother had exceptional pain, pain that was absolutely beyond the normal pain of childbirth. And so she saw fit to name him Pain. So the name Jabez was reflective of his mother's sorrow. And it almost seems that in his prayer, as, as we read through the prayer, that Jabez is asking God to not let his life be a life of pain. It's almost as though Jabez is saying, because my mother named me Jabez, I'm afraid that now I'm cursed. It was almost like a superstitious type thing that he was dealing with. And in today's uh, day and age in our society, superstition runs rampant. I can't tell you how many times somebody will, will say something and they'll say, knock on wood, and they'll, they'll absolutely have to find a piece of wood to hit because they really feel like if they don't hit a piece of wood that they're not going to have good luck. So we can't really be too hard on Jabez here with this superstitious belief. So, you know, understanding Jabez and his obscurity in Scripture, it's very odd that in the midst of a genealogy, all of a sudden, he's mentioned and his prayer is mentioned. Because if you read the entire chapter of 1 Chronicles 4, it's not the flow of the chapter. The chapter is really so-and-so had sons and their names were this. So-and-so had sons and their names were this. And it began to just list out these names. But in the midst of this long list of names, you have the mention of this man and his prayer. 
So it's very, it's very unique, I guess I could say, in this chapter about how Jabez is introduced. So the question a lot of commentators have is, is why didn't Jabez have a proper int- introduction? Why or do we not know more about Jabez? Well, a lot of commentators say that back then, and even in Hebrew history, Jabez was probably a very well-known man. And in the course of history and in the course of time, he has kind of faded off into the shadows to where we today don't really know that much about him. There's not anything recorded about him. But in Jewish culture and in Hebrew history, it seems that he probably was a very, very well-known man. So that kind of explains why that introduction is so short. Many believe that a town that is also named Jabez there in that part of the country, which you can actually find in chapter 2 of 1 Chronicles, was probably named after him, the town of Jabez. So Jewish tradition also says that Jabez was a doctor of the law and that he actually left many disciples behind him when he, when he left and passed on. If he was famous, though, it would explain why the writer of 1 Chronicles, who many believed to be Ezra, would not have seen the need to give more information about Jabez. So Jabez, of course, as I mentioned before, has always been a man historically known for his prayer. And I'm sure that even in the past couple of decades, you've seen several devotions come out dedicated to the prayer of Jabez. And that is, this is exactly where that comes from. So as we get into his prayer, and as we begin to look at our vision as a church, I want us to see how Jabez begins his prayer. He begins his prayer with a vow but doesn't follow up with a promise. In other words, he didn't say, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. It wasn't an if and a then statement. He simply just makes the vow and then makes no promise. Let's go back to the scripture and see what it says. Verse 10 of 1 Chronicles chapter 4, Jabez called out to the God of Israel, if, you, if only you would bless me, and then he gets into extending the borders and talking about God keeping his hand on him. So he makes the vow, but doesn't follow up with a promise. So in the prayer, we find out that he makes four separate requests to God. Four separate requests. So the first request, and I want us in this entire sermon, looking through this prayer, to continually go back to our vision and see how it applies to our vision as a church. Jabez's first request was, bless me. So in terms of Pole Creek, we need to be asking God to bless us. Let's go back to chapter 10 there. Jabez called out the God of Israel, if only you would bless me, if only you would bless me. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. If only you would bless me. Isn't there kind of a stigma in church life where we don't want to ask God to bless us anymore? Like we want to ask God to bless others and we want to ask God to heal others and to to help others, but there's almost like a a false humility, I think, that we have as Christians that we don't want to seem selfish. So we pray to God, we've quit asking him to bless us. We've quit asking him to prosper us. Well, the entire prayer of Jabez, as we look through it, you're going to find that Jabez was asking God to prosper him and to bless him. Remember when Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 literally wrestled with God simply for a blessing? He fought with God so that God would give him a blessing. If you have time and you have your Bible there, turn to Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 24, because I want us to look over that event and to see what happened exactly there with Jacob. In verse 24 of Genesis chapter 32, the Bible says this, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. 
When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. Did you hear what Jacob said to God there in verse 26? I will not let you go unless you bless me. You think, man, Jacob was being disrespectful. Jacob wasn't being very humble. Maybe the same thing you think of Jabez. Jabez is asking God to bless him and to prosper him. It sounds so selfish. But did you see the result of Jacob's struggle with God? And he blessed him there in verse 29. That Jacob was not willing to rest until he got a blessing from God. And we see the result. God indeed blessed Jacob there. Today as a church located here in Candler, North Carolina, we need to ask God to bless us. We need to ask God to prosper our church, to prosper our ministries. And again, that's not being selfish. What that is, is that's asking the God of heaven, the only one who can save, the only one who can bring hope, the one who spoke the heavens and the earth into being, to be behind us as we pursue the God-given mission of leading people to Jesus. We need to be asking God to bless us. And I promise you that without the blessings of God, we cannot achieve our vision as a church. And remember our vision? To impact our community and the world with the gospel. We need God to bless us today. You need God to bless you. Why don't we take a, take a pointer from Jacob and from Jabez? Why don't we start asking God to bless us, to bless our church? And I assure you that if we are in his will, he will bless us. The second part of the prayer that I want us to look at is that Jabez asks God to extend his border. Let's look back at the scripture there in verse 10. After he asks him to bless him, he says, extend my border. Now, when you think about someone asking someone, especially in this time in history, in Jewish history, war was something that was very significant. War happened a lot. War was almost a way of life for many of the Middle Eastern nations. And when you ask someone to extend your borders, it's almost like a military type of talk, asking God to maybe expand your empire, asking God to help you defeat your enemies so that you can possess more land. We know that the children of Israel, once they came out of the wilderness and Joshua led them across the Jordan River, that God had told the children of Israel to go into the land of Canaan and possess the land. It was common speech back then to ask God to expand one's borders. But when you think about a vision statement, you think about the vision of Pole Creek and our desire that God would help us to impact our community and the world with the gospel, really, we need to think in military terms as well. We need to think about the territory that is yet to be conquered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about crusade type stuff or war, flesh and blood, swords. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about the cause of Christ to shine his light into the, the deep, dark corners of the world. You can talk to missionaries who go to places 
that are really untouched with the gospel, and they'll share with you very quickly of the darkness that really controls those areas, where many times children are mistreated or sacrificed, where um, women are, are sorely and badly mistreated, where their, their superstition and, their, and the demonic beliefs of some of these secluded peoples is so dark that the spiritual warfare has such a grip on them that the gospel is the only hope of breaking them from that. And we understand that as we look out across the world that Satan has many strongholds in this world. And there are many strongholds that have yet to be torn down by God. And God is calling us. He's calling us to go and expand those borders with his power and with his help so that the gospel can be shared. If you go to the website Joshua project.net joshuaproject.net it's an awesome resource but basically these folks at Joshua Project have researched the people groups of the world and what I mean by people groups a people group is basically a group of people who are separated unique from other groups of people maybe it's their language um, maybe it's their culture maybe it's their geographical location maybe it's their nationality but they've taken a lot of these different categories and they have created a list of people groups worldwide. And there are several, several thousand people groups that exist today. And when people look at Revelation chapter 7 and they think about the fact that around the throne of the Lord Jesus in heaven one day, there will be people of every tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne, as Revelation 7 says, we take that to heart as believers and we say that it is God's a mission for us and his calling for us to make sure that at least one person of every tribe, tongue, and nation is saved. At least one person comes to Christ of every single one of those people groups. So when you go on joshuaproject.net, you can actually see these individual people groups. They have particular names for each group, and you can see what percentage of their population has been reached with the gospel. There's some that are at zero percent. There's some that are at 50 or 60 percent. But basically an unreached people group, which are really the groups of people that we need to expand our borders into as a church, are people groups that have less than maybe 2 percent of their population that professes Christianity. Unreached people groups are also groups of people who have no access to the Word of God, have no access to online abilities to, to research um, Christianity, to research our doctrines. And they're completely in the dark. They're, it's almost like they're in a demonic, dark bubble. And we as Christians need to pierce that bubble. And as Jabez is asking God to expand his borders, we also, not just asking God to bless us, but asking God, God, would you expand the borders of Pole Creek Baptist Church into the lives of people who don't know you, into these unreached people groups? And listen, I don't want us to get so sidetracked on unreached people groups as I also want us to think about the unreached here in our community. There are people, as you pass by house after house after house, going to and coming home from work, going to and coming home from church, who do not know Jesus. Maybe they've heard the gospel, maybe they haven't. We can't assume just because somebody lives in Candler that they've heard the gospel. God is literally bringing people from all over the world to Western North Carolina. Western North Carolina is on several top ten lists of hot destinations for people to retire to, for people of an Eastern mind or a philosophical um, liberal thinking. It is a popular place for these people who, in, who are Buddhist, who are Hindus, who are atheists. We have a lot of people come to this area, and we have an opportunity now that we would not have had 50 years ago in Western North Carolina. 
So as we think about our vision, we have to continually ask God to expand our borders. I want to give you an example, and this is found in the book When God Builds a Church by Bob Russell. And it's a real-life example of a church that got serious about God and about the things of God and about the gospel and about the request to God to expand their borders. So I'm going to read this story to you. In January of 1998, Becky Edmondson attended a seminar where Norma McCorvey was the guest speaker. Norma McCorvey was the Jane Roe of the 1974 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion. But in her speech, Norma McCorvey testified that while she was working as an assistant in an abortion clinic, she was befriended by Christians who had opened a crisis pregnancy center next door. Eventually, she gave her life to Christ and is now strongly pro-life. After hearing Norma Corvey's dramatic testimony, Becky Edmondson drove back to Louisville, Kentucky, convicted. We have two crisis pregnancy centers, she thought, but neither is anywhere near the abortionaries in our town. We need to have a crisis pregnancy center as close to the abortion clinic as possible. When she arrived back in Louisville, she drove downtown to the site of one of the two largest abortion clinics in the state of Kentucky. As she drove, she prayed, Lord, if it is your will that we open up a new center near this place on Broadway, please make a suitable space available. Did you hear what she did? She prayed. She made her request known to God, and she asked him to expand the borders of that ministry. When she drove down the street toward the abortion clinic, Becky couldn't believe her eyes. Right next door to the clinic was a house for sale. It wasn't just next door. The walls butted up against each other. Becky told her story to the board of directors of a woman's choice crisis pregnancy center. Southeast agreed, this is the name of the church, Southeast agreed to give a percentage of our annual Thanksgiving offering to purchase and renovate the building, and within a few months, a clean, attractive facility was opened. That's a celebration right there, but the story isn't over. That little house right next door to the abortion clinic soon sported a large sign, a Woman's Choice Resource Center. The results have been dramatic, she said. Many women have chosen to come into a woman's choice instead of going next door. Some young women seeking counsel or abortions have come into a woman's choice by mistake. The receptionist graciously informs them that the abortion clinic is next door, but then asks, would you like to see a free ultrasound of your baby while you're here? Almost every woman who watches the heartbeat of her baby or takes home ultrasound pictures decides to keep the child. One woman who came into the center discovered she was pregnant with twins. She decided to keep them both and give them the gift of life. The workers at the Crisis Pregnancy Center began to pray regularly for the workers next door and attempted to reach them with kindness. You hear that constant theme of prayer, right? They laid their hands on the walls the center shared with the clinic and prayed that God would stop abortions in that place. Then in July of 1999, an amazing thing happened. A local newspaper column lamented that there are now very few facilities in our town that perform this service for women in our area. The article speculated why the clinic had closed. If you didn't catch that, the abortion clinic that was beside the crisis pregnancy center that was started by these Christians closed down. One of the suggested reasons was that a crisis pregnancy center had opened next door. 
The article didn't mention the power of prayer, but we are confident that the clinic shut its doors because God responded favorably to the faith of his people. Did you hear that? An abortion clinic was shut down because a few of God's children got serious about his mission, about reaching people for him with the gospel, about giving hope to the hopeless. And now there is one less abortion clinic in the state of Kentucky because of the faith of a few. They asked God to extend their borders, and he did. The third part of the prayer that I want us to look at today of Jabez's prayer in regard to our vision is that Jabez asked God's hand to be with him. So here at Pole Creek, we need to be asking God the same thing. God, let your hand be with us. Let's look back at verse 10 there of Chronicle, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. After he asked God to bless him and after he asks God to extend his border, he says, God, let your hand be with me. Let your hand be with me. I'm going to turn to the 139th Psalm. If you'd like to, turn there with me. Maybe you want to mark it. But as we think about the hand of God, I want us to be very, very clear about this, that we are not going to be able to reach and impact the world with the gospel unless God's hand is with us. Beginning in verse 10 of the 139th Psalm, Even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. Now here we have a Psalm of David, David going through difficult times within his reign over Israel. But even King David understood the importance of having the hand of God protecting him and the hand of God with him. Really the hand of God in Scripture because we understand that God is invisible. We understand that Jesus is the manifestation of God. That, that when Jesus himself even said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because Jesus is that physical manifestation of the God of heaven. But we understand throughout Scripture that God is given human-like traits and qualities. And what it is, is it's basically by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God is giving these symbolisms so that we as human beings can understand and grasp the truths that are mentioned in the Word of God, because we always fail to understand the magnitude of who God really is. But here, God's hand is always really significant of his strength and his authority. So when you think about Jabez asking God's hand to be with him, and then you see King David the, asking the very same, same thing there in the 139th Psalm, we understand that what they are really and truthfully saying is, God, I want your authority and I want your power to be with us. So I want you to think about that in terms of the gospel, in terms of impacting Candler and the world. We have got to have God's power and God's authority. Do you know that there has never been a person who's been saved that God was not involved, that his authority and his power was not at work. The Bible teaches us that there's none righteous, no, not one. And then in Romans 3, you go on down, it talks about how no one seeks after God. God always initiates salvation. God always comes to us. As a six-year-old boy, when I accepted the Lord Jesus, it wasn't because I had some special insight about what I needed to do. It was simply because the Holy Spirit came my way that night as a little boy and said, Ben, if you die in your sin, you'll go to hell. And that's when I trusted God because he came to me. Today, as we look to impact the world with the gospel, as we look to impact our community, the power of God has got to go before us, 
Prepare the hearts of those we are going to encounter, whether here or overseas, so that their heart is ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. We certainly need God's hand to be with us. So we also need to be praying just like Jabez. God, give us your power and your authority so that we can impact the world with the gospel. John chapter 10 verse 28 says this. I want you to listen carefully. This is Jesus speaking. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that awesome, the, the strength and the authority of God? So powerful that when compared to a hand and you being in the hand of Jesus, that there is absolutely nothing that can snatch you from his hand. And we want as many people in the world as possible to be in that same hand to be under the authority of the gospel, to be washed in the blood, their names written in the Lamb's book of life. We know that once a person is saved, they cannot lose their salvation. And we need to be a people of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those folks. The last thing that Jabez prays in his prayer is to keep him from harm. He's asking God, God, keep me from harm. Look back in uh, verse 10. So he says, God, would you bless me? God, would you extend my border? And God, would you keep me from harm that I may not experience pain? That I may not experience pain. You know, we went, we talked a little bit about Jabez's name and what it means and kind of what it seems like his mother named him that because of her experience in childbirth. And it seemed that that was weighing very heavily on Jabez. Pain is real and pain is very prevalent in the lives of our people. There's so many people today because of this isolation and because of the change in our lifestyles over the last year that there are a lot of people who are experiencing great amounts of pain and isolation or people who are depressed or people who are suffering some um, uh, emotional issues or, or mental issues and, and they're not getting help. Well, today that we need to pray as a church that God would truly keep our church from pain, that God would keep our people from pain and from harm. And again, you go back to that, well, that just seems kind of selfish, Ben, for me to ask God to do this for me when there's others suffering. It's not selfish because the Bible is very clear that we, are, uh, we have the ability to come boldly to the throne of grace in Hebrews chapter 4 because Jesus died on the cross, that we can make our requests known to God because Jesus broke down the wall of separation between us and God. So today, if you're not utilizing prayer, that's your own fault. You have got to be a person of prayer, and it is there is nothing in this world wrong with asking God to keep us from harm. And as we think about our vision, as we think about impacting the world and our community with the gospel, we need to continually pray that God will keep us from harm, that God will protect our church, that he will build a hedge of protection around our people, that sin would not enter into our congregation, that the marriages of our church will stay together, that our children would grow up as disciples of Jesus, saved at a young age, being unscarred from the world as they grow and mature, that God would give us a favor in the eyes of those who are lost. We need to continually pray, Lord, keep us from harm. And did you hear what Jabez said? So that I will not experience pain. We know that pain many times is inevitable, but God sees us through it. And many times because of our poor choices, we do enter into pain. We enter into chastisement. We enter into difficult times because we've made poor choices. We need to ask God that God do not let us make choices that are going to cause us pain. Help us to be guided by your wisdom. Help us to be guided by your faith and your passion so that we can take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The 91st Psalm says this, 
The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent because he has his heart set on me. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Many scholars believe that this psalm was written by Moses. And here Moses is referring, referencing the plagues of Egypt, the pestilence, sometimes the, the difficulties that come in life as the children of Israel were marching through the wilderness. They met a lot of adversity. And they had made a lot of poor choices that caused them harm. But here Moses is calling out to God, and he is referencing the fact that those who take refuge in God will not be harmed. And he also talks about remaining in the shadows of the Almighty. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about drawing as close to God as you can, making sure there's nothing between you and your Savior, making sure that you are seeking God daily. You know, it, it's one of those things about, you know, sometimes you may not know what direction to go, but sometimes the best thing to do is to remain quiet and trust the Lord. And when we grow in our relationship with the Lord and we draw close to Him, that is how we can avoid harm. And as a church and as we look to our future and as we look at our vision of wanting to impact our community and the world with the gospel, we must be a people who draws close to the Lord. Because in His refuge and in His fortress, that's how we are going to avoid harm and pain in our lives. So today, I really hope that this, pass, this is passage of Scripture, Jabez's prayer, has ignited a passion in your heart to seek God, to ask God, God, would you bless us? Would you bless our church, Lord? Lord, would you give us prosperity in the ministry and in the gospel? God, would you extend our borders so that we can pierce the darkness with the light of the gospel. Lord, would you give us your hand? Would you have your hand remain on us so that we can have your authority and your power in our mission? And God, would you keep us from harm so that we might not experience pain? I promise you that God has a great purpose for Pole Creek Baptist Church, that he has placed us here for this reason in the year 2021, exactly where we are. If you're a member of Pole Creek, he's got you here for a reason. If you're considering joining our church, he has you here for a reason. And I promise you that it is all ultimately working together that souls might be saved so as many people as possible would be around the throne of Jesus in heaven. Before I dismiss this in prayer, maybe this sermon today has touched you in a special way. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe there's never been a time and a place in your life where you've come to realize your sinfulness and your need for a Savior. Well, today you can trust Jesus. All you have to do is pray and ask him to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, 
Tell him that you are going to turn from your sins and turn to him and ask him to save you. And I promise you, based upon the word of God, he will do that. If that's you or maybe you have more questions about what it means to be saved, you can utilize that text feature that I mentioned earlier. You simply text the word SAVED to the phone number 828-373-1940. We'll reach out to you. We'll counsel you through what it means to be a Christian. And if you just got saved, we want to tell you what the next steps are in your walk of faith. Also, maybe you're wanting to know how to join Pole Creek or what it means to be a member. As I've mentioned church membership a few times in this sermon. Well, we'd love to sit down with you or have a phone conversation with you about that. Or you may also want to be connected with one of our small groups where you can build some relationships with others in our community. If that's your that case and you want more information about either one of those things, simply text the word CONNECT to that same phone number, 828-373-1940, and we'd love to get you connected and share some information with you. I just want you to know that the staff at Pole Creek is praying for you today. That we're praying that through these difficult times that God will continue to give you grace that he will give you joy, and that he'll give you some sunshine in your life, that he might place people in your life to give you opportunities to share his precious gospel. Join with me in prayer. God, we love you, and Lord, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful, God, that the vision that you've given us is scriptural, God, that this vision you've given us, Lord, to impact Candler and the world with the gospel. Lord, that it is found in the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28, that you have commanded us to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So God, today as we pursue this vision that you've given us in your word, I pray, God, that you would bless us, that you would expand our borders, that you would keep your hand upon us, God, and that you would keep us from harm. And Lord, we know that at the end of the prayer in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10, the Bible says that you granted Jabez his request. So God, based upon faith, we ask you that you grant this request today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.